Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. And Ovi, we will uh, we will get to just a bummer of a football game in a second. Uh, but first, how's bachelor life? Let's start on some on some <laughs> positive. You know, you got the week away. What what you been doing with it? Yeah, it's not full on bachelor life. Uh, my wife uh, still. <laughs> monitors everything so she, she's always here in spirit but uh, but no it, it is uh different because i'm home alone um like macaulay Culkin, i am by myself in big old house and it is strange and, and to boot my doggies on a um uh two-week doggy camp where he's learning how to be a good dog and not pee and poop <laughs> on the floor what timing not, on you know, your part oh it's great so I, I i literally got me myself and i i can sleep in <laughs> any one of these bedrooms and talk you know, about I, clock management yeah yeah so no I'm just, I've, uh, I've been um eating different foods since i can't cook so i go to a different restaurant every night uh today was uh a japanese had some ramen had some mexican yesterday uh might go to a little steak tomorrow so no, it's, it's it's different but when you are away from your family you appreciate them even more so i'm looking forward to joining them on thursday and having a nice family christmas uh in cali I, I man, single Ovi over here is like, like he's eating at Epcot Center, just a different yeah. cuisine of the world every night, and living yep. your best life out here, Ovi. I'm, I'm happy to, for man. you. Got to. <laughs> all right, now we uh, have to get to all the depressing stuff, which we will do <sighs> right after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Well, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's half off, guys. That's a big deal. What are are you doing? Don't just sit there. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive that bonus. So what are you waiting for? Get started. Head over to BetOnline today because it is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. I don't think we have to look far to uh, where we need to start with this one. Falcons got whooped again by a, uh, a good team. And 31-13 out, out west against the San Francisco 49ers. The Falcons looked like they were going to, you know, shock them early. They yeah. An early opening kickoff. Special teams forced fumble by Quadri Allison. Great to see him get in there, Richie Grant recovering the tackle. That was awesome. Love those yeah. two guys being involved. Boom, boom, boom. Falcons offense looks like they're ready to capitalize it. Get down to the one yard line. Cordero Patterson, as he's done all season long, gets into the end zone. Yeah, I'm coming for uh, for your. I'm coming for your job, uh, Chris Berman, and <laughs> and right. it gets overturned. Falcons were never really the same since that moment. And this was a game about the red zone, about the goal line specifically. I mean, how deflating is that really? It is um, impossible to walk around with your head held up if you're a team that can't get one yard. Um, I've never been part of those teams because usually I'm the one who gets the one yard. So I don't (laughs) know what that feels like. But I can imagine it probably feels really shitty 
to walk on the field and know we're not good enough to fall forward for a yard. And even, you know, Matt Ryan later on in the game did a quarterback sneak and they actually converted. I don't know why they didn't do that. I just think it's crazy when you're on the one or inches even and you're throwing the ball backwards to a, a running back seven yards behind or or you're, you know, in shotgun for a one yard. I mean, it, it's it's crazy because you're supposed to have enough confidence in your hogs up front, enough pride in your fullback and your O-line and in the toughness of your team where one yard should be something that you look forward to. Oh, just one yard? Oh, great. I can fall forward, even if it's just quarterback sneaks all day. But, you know, Matt Ryan's chicken legs aren't made for quarterback sneaks. He's never been fond of those. He's even said it personally. Uh, <laughs> when I was there, again, give it to the fullback. And, and Keith Smith is not a bad fullback. He's above average and, uh, you know, great at times. He could get the one yard like because Kyle Juszczyk was balling on the other side. Like, yeah. yeah, It was hard not to watch the other fullback. I'm like, really good. If, he, if he's on the Falcons, they would have given the ball. He would have <laughs> got that one yard. So it was it was hard to watch. Uh, it was it was very hard to watch. And I, I kind of I had this for uh, a little bit later on on down. But let's let's work it in here now, because. The red zone, since it was such, and, and specifically, you know, the goal line, kind of the, from the 15 in, I saw this stat today. The Falcons ran 18 plays from inside of the 49ers 15-yard line and did not come away with a touchdown on any of those plays. And uh, some led to field goals, but when you have that many chances, 18 plays, I mean, typical game has, what, 64, 65? Yeah. I mean, that that's... A, a fifth, a fourth, like that's right up a there. Lot. So that's a lot of plays to be running from that far into uh, your opponent's territory. You expect to come away with those. So what changes about the game inside of the red zone? I mean, when the field condenses, because I've talked to a lot of players over the years about about the red zone. I mean, the red zone has been something the Falcons have struggled with. And you're, you know, when when you're struggling in such a notable area of the field, you're going to get those questions. Everybody is. You yep. as the fullback. Ovi, what do you guys need to start doing differently in the red zone to, to get some? So, so I want you, here's your microphone, literally. What right. changes in the red zone and, and why does the game become a different one than the one fans are used to seeing from between the 20s? Because you mentioned the field not only shortens, but the amount of plays that you can run shorten. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of know you can only run so many plays depending on your formation, depending on your personnel, um, you know, we're going to be able to darn near predict your play. And a lot of it is who has the better talent, you know, as cliche as it sounds, who wants it more, who's going to mm-hmm. be able to, to grind it out, get underneath those pads, drive your feet and, you know, fight for that one yard or inches. And unfortunately we've seen for the past year that the Falcons are not, as tough as they want to be or as they think they are. Maybe they are aware that their toughness is is an issue on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And they've surprised us. They kind of gave us some fool's gold regarding their run game and being able to be more uh, physical and, you know, finding ways to have that one-two punch with what Mike Davis was doing. And Mike Davis had a couple of nice runs early on that got you excited. Dude, that that third down conversion – I, uh, Matt, I mean, Matt needs to send that man a case of some nice whiskeys because 
that that part of the game, you had a false start, a pre-snap yep. penalty. Then they got to yep. burn a timeout because they can't get the call in. Matt's screaming at the sideline. Arthur mm. Smith is screaming at his <laughs> offensive line. It's all Chaos. of a sudden a third and nine. Mike Davis gets hit for like what should be a two-yard gain, spins out of that and another yeah. tackle and picks up like 10 yards. It was... I don't have to see another thing from this man for the rest of the year. Mike Davis, I tip my cap to you as an Atlanta Falcon. He's got it. And so he's had it, you know, but he has to have help. The line has to block and, you know, he has to do his job. And what I've seen from Mike Davis, at least in the last couple of weeks, makes me realize, like you mentioned, he can be a a value add to the Falcons, but um, not when the Falcons play like how they play. So as far as, again, back to the, the red zone, um, when they know what you're going to do, you really just have to, to tighten up on your technique and on your execution. And the Falcons, even on that technical part, they they they're not they're not there. They're, they're not it. Yeah. And it kind of begs the question of of knowing who you are. And then right. the Falcons right. kind of just knowing we're not a team that can maybe maybe that's the problem. They they realize they can't. Do red zone. They realize they don't have they don't have the power. They don't have the tenacity. They, they don't have the toughness, and so that's why they're they're being so cute. But I'm saying, if you're not good at it, work on it more. I feel like if they did four quarterback sneaks, they would get in. If they did like you know two fullback dives, two quarterbacks, they would have get gotten in. Like there are times like that where Mike Malarkey back in the day would say, "We're not passing the ball. I don't care, Ovi, you and Mike." <laughs> and the third time, I mean, I, I'd appreciate it. But I'm like, dang. Three in a row, we've gone on the one. Three run plays in a row. Yeah. They know it's coming. I, I just feel like we're, we've realized that we can't do that, so we didn't try to do it. That's unfortunate. Well, I, I mean, to that point, they they had five plays from the one-yard line. You guys already know the story. Uh, zero yeah. zero uh, times were they able to punch it in. And th- this is because I, I feel like sports, especially in the past two years, uh, really the past kind of two years, uh, the, the analytics like has really, I think crossed over to just pure main street. Like if I'm talking to my dad about sports or what, like he's going to, we could talk about analytics and he's going to know more than, than he did a couple of years ago. Whereas three, four years ago was really kind of those most passionate. And then you were explaining a lot of stuff to yeah. but now. One of the biggest things I see on Twitter or social media throughout games is, uh, you know, people questioning whether somebody should, you know, this dude's an idiot for not going for it on fourth and four from his 38 yard line, because, you know, the math says that he's got a 5% better chance to win the game if he does that. And now he kicked field goal and he sucks. I, I just think that so many people kind of treat analytics and like the, the, the game chart as a true roadmap. Like if it were that easy to just have a follow this formula and you will win the game, Football would be so boring. So it, it's more like I, I, the roadmap's fine. If that's where you want to you put your head and say, follow these directions, think of it more like, are you familiar with Waze, Ovi? Yeah. Waze, yep. I called it. So, you know, if, if you plug something in a, a little further away, it's going to probably give you like three suggestions of, of routes that you could take. That's mm-hmm. how I look at those, those kind of analytics. It's like, here are a few different outcomes that are likely based on some of these decisions that are available to you but along the way traffic could get heavier along the way you could make a wrong turn along the way you could say well i know that this highway will get me there five minutes faster if this traffic right here clears up but it's telling me to get off on this exit 
I'm, I'm just going to stay on the highway. I think it's going to clear up. That's a coach saying, you know what? I'm going to kick this field goal. I think our defense is going to play a little bit better, even though Waze is telling me to get off the highway. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. But I, I kind of need, I don't think we all need to sit here and say, what an idiot. He went for it on fourth down at the goal line just because they ended up not getting the touchdown. Because as a player, I'm sure that you love that opportunity to say, yeah, yeah fourth down. Now we're getting it. And I, I think... I understand their balance a little bit because they're clearly they're clearly at a talent disadvantage kind of right there in the interior, especially right in the interior. I mean, your your yeah. youngest guys are the spear point of your offensive line. Potentially, maybe another reason they don't want their franchise quarterback diving right behind um, those guys multiple times. But I, I watched Arthur Smith's post game. I read the the quotes. It sounds like they thought. San Francisco was going to just be all out like we know you guys are going to out here like try to prove you're tough to us you're going to pound the middle so we're going all out to just stonewall you all of that they were expecting a really aggressive approach based on what San Francisco has done historically down in that area and they tried to get them on a couple play action passes like I understand that the spreading them out thing because what you mentioned the depth is not there you can't stretch them vertically so everybody's crowded spreading them out's not bad if you've got Josh Allen, if you've got Cam Newton, but but Matt Ryan's not somebody you could just do a quarterback drop the middle because you've moved the numbers. So yes, you can quibble with some of that stuff. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Arthur Smith's an idiot because he ended up being 0 for 3 kind of on those fourth down calls because I understand why he did it. I understand yeah. their arguments against it, but that's where I'm at with it. No, I mean, that, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, it's easy for us to be, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks and to yep. say, you know, if I were there, I would have done this. Would you have? <laughs> would you have done that? You would have made the right choice every single time because you know the future. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> though those field goals would have been nice. It would have been nice. It wouldn't have changed the game. We lost by more than a field goal, and we, you know, kind of showed all of the bad things that we've displayed throughout the season all at once. Uh, mm -hmm. when, it, when it came to on both sides of the ball. Not being able to take Matt Ryan, uh, not being yep. able to pressure their quarterback, uh, and pre-snap penalties, pre-snap penalties. But what what I did see again, we saw some great stuff from Mike Davis, and I, I hope I'm not spoiling, uh, you know, later sessions or, or segments. Nah, but bring it up now, Russell, man. It's all good. Russell, Russell Gage, man. Like I saw some yeah. things, but Russell Gage, I saw some, you know, uh, receivers go up there and get a lot of Zacchaeus, you know, go up there get the ball, make some nice catches. So we can develop talent. Yes, no one's going to argue that our, our talent is still an issue and that, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, unfortunately, won't, wouldn't be starters in other NFL teams or wouldn't even be on some NFL teams. Uh, and we are kind of piecemealing with our cap situation, the best of the best. But there are some other guys who are rising uh, to the top and, and trying to find ways to um, let their, their voices be heard. And, Russell Gage is not a fluke. Uh, th this guy is, uh, I don't know if he'll get the most improved, but he's definitely you know in the top three for most improved on the team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, dude. He balled out. It was a really good performance yeah. for him, and I, I thought it was pretty gutsy, and um, it was great to see because they, they kind of, it should have been something where if Atlanta had, you know, made that a shocking win, like the way you talk about a player changes a little bit because he had some type of big performance in a big game and a big upset like yeah. that. So and it, this was a big sucks. game. 
Yeah, Russell Gage has, has been uh, has been killing it. Um, Kyle Pitts had some nice catches. Kyle Pitts Pitts had had a nice catch as well. I think that in this in this league, you've got like what the the bad teams that know they're bad. That before the season, it's kind of like, all right, I'm showing up here to work every day, but um, thank you for your money, and and I'll see you, uh, (laughs) I'll see you, I'll see you throughout the week, and I'll be there Sunday, you know. And then you've got the bad teams who are trying to be good. You've got the you know the kind of the bad teams who who actually may be good. And then you've got kind of the the good teams who are pretty much from there. I think any good team could could be a contender if certain things break the right way. But the the two middle parts are you think of a team like the Bears or the Raiders or the Bengals or what these teams who always just kind of seem to be, you know, it's midway through the season and they're always six and five. Like it, yep. they're just always, you know, the some some yep. of the years with like the Texans or the Colts are a good team like that. And and it's kind of. Yeah, we sit there and we talk about these teams a lot because one of these like a couple of these teams are going to emerge from this mix and they're going to ascend to that next level of the bad teams who may actually be good. But most of those teams are are not. And they're just in that that second to bottom tier. I think that's where the Falcons are right now. And their job yep. is to. First thing first, I think teams that have a clear identity automatically uh, jump that that tier up to the to the bad teams who could be good because at least they have an identity. At least they have one thing they can do well. And sometimes that's good enough to, to beat a team that may be equal to you who might not have an identity. And, and that's where the Falcons are at that right now. They're what you're gritty. You get some gritty wins. That's not an identity. You can't you can't bring gritty to a to a gunfight like. So what are you going to be? Are you going to be a running team? All right, go this offseason and make yourself a running team. Are you going to be a, a more of a play action? Get them on the move. This Kyle Shanahan, we're going to flood the different zones at different levels. Roll out. Cool. Go get the pieces you need to do that. Defensively, are we blitzing? Are we running zone coverage? Because I saw your zone coverage get absolutely freaking torn apart. And we will get to that yeah. in a second, Ovi. But, but what are you going to be? Go get the pieces for that. That's where the Falcons are right now is they, they are good enough and they've got enough veteran guys to, to muster the leadership, to muster maybe the in-game adjustments to beat these bad teams. Maybe they're the bad, bad teams. Maybe they're the, the, the bad kind of maybe hoping to be good teams, but they're on the same level. The Falcons can beat them. Anybody above them right now. And it's, it's really problematic. So Falcons need an identity and somebody like Russell Gage could be a part of that. And that's what these, I think, last, unfortunately, the last three games are going to be about is finding who can be part of that team yeah. moving forward. Russell Gage, I believe, in a contract year, huge game for this man to, uh, oh, to yeah. do it on the road, to, to do it when they, they need somebody to step up at receiver. And he really stepped it's up. so weird realizing that he's our number one receiver. He's, he's <laughs> wide receiver one. W-R-Y. Like Russell Gage is the guy. And at yeah. times, he's played like you would want Calvin Ridley to play like. And his it's, vertical it's, it's, is insane, dude. It's, he, it's, his it's, hops are like legit. Yeah. <laughs> who was the receiver near the end? Uh, was it Russell or was it Tajay Sharp? The one who was about to get hit and he saw it and he just, you know, changed. Kind of tucked his body. Yeah, yeah, tucked his body. Was that Gage? Was that Sharp? Uh, I think I think that was last week and I think it was Russell Gage. Because like I've seen him. It was, it was, he, somebody this week, I think I saw Kyle's. Oh, uh, was it? 
watching the game at a bar and I couldn't hear any uh, music because I I was I was done. Uh, and so <laughs> I was watching the last couple of minutes and I was like, oh, we might you know make this respectable. And he showed his slow motion. You could see where he jumped up and then he saw the guy coming. And he pulled his hands down trying to protect himself. Yeah, I'm just like, it's the NFL. It's the end of the game. It's a cat score touchdown. I get it. You want to protect yourself because we're not going to win. But man, take the hit. That's part of being a receiver. Come in the middle. Take that. What do you think Matt Ryan does? What do you think if Matt Ryan shied away every time he's going to get hit? Yeah, we wouldn't have <laughs> any throws made. <laughs> he, he can yeah, but he should have freaking play. shied away from the goal line hit he took to the face. Yeah, how about that? Um, like, <laughs> he, like, in his mind, he saw himself going much more faster and he thought he could outrun like five four four guys and then yeah. when they all got there he's like oh shit <laughs> he just he just crumpled up it was uh, like it was like yeah <laughs> like the matrix those were like three agents just morphed in front of oh, him and it, it was like probably like point zero zero one second we all said oh matt run maybe he can get to the no he can't so yeah. I, like, I thought for the angle i thought maybe he had an angle he could die it was there the for out. a second yeah it was there for a second, but uh, nope. Un- unfortunately, he got his. Uh, they they stomped on his nose, and yes. <laughs> they did that a lot against uh, against Matt Ryan on uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, because this was another really bad game for the offensive line. I, I mean, I, there was some stat. I'm I'm not going to quote it exactly during the CBS broadcast, but it, like there were like 35 dropbacks, and Matt had been pressured or hit or sacked on like 27 of them throughout that game, which which. To the eye test, yeah, that sounds about right. Because, I mean, even three step drops, like guys were that he he was bailing, he was having to do whatever. I I actually think, given everything, Matt played a pretty good game. But I'm tired yeah. of saying that. I'm tired of saying, given everything, I think Matt played a pretty good game. Because honestly, dude, the, like he has to overcome so much just to have a good day. And I miss the days when Matt could go out and be afforded the actual opportunity to be elite like he can be but yeah. you're you're putting a restrictor plate on a, on a car and that's that's why it's kind of unfair to to look at Matt like unless you're watching him closely and you're seeing really what this team is week out and, and week in like then you may be impressed by him like like I am because you see just what he has to deal with and for him to keep getting back up and keep getting back up and Keep mustering that that fight. That game mattered so much to him. That yelling that he was doing early on, like yeah. you could tell, you guys aren't focused enough for where we are right now. Our motions aren't crisp. I'm having to clap my hands three times to get somebody to look at me. Why are you looking at the crowd? What are you looking at? Look at me. We've got to go. And that builds up, and it built up really quickly in that game because he felt how important kind of that first. We talked about the field goals and the analytics thing. The one field goal I think that would have truly changed that game, if they maybe had kicked the one on their very first offensive possession, make it yeah. three nothing, come away with points. Maybe that changes something. I still don't think it does. But after that, you could tell Matt went into a an extra degree of urgency because he understood. All right, we just kind of went all in, and now they've just been dealt a great hand because the momentum is all in their favor. And this yeah. this crowd base, fan base is is crazy, and and they played like they were behind them. The offensive line, though, was not up to the task. I mean, what what you predicted this? So here you go, gloat. I guess gloat in the I face mean, of all these I, depressed fans, Obi. I I I, I don't know. Did I predict they're going to lose today? I, no. I predict you, you thought. You, yeah, 
You thought they'd yeah, get worked? The offensive line would would, uh, would get work. I mean, Pro Football Focus says that they had 22 pressures and every single starting lineman allowed a pressure. And they, they took turns go. messing up. Took turns. And I I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do, man, because <laughs> every year we draft offensive linemen, like first-rounders, not like third, fourth, fifth round. We draft top-tier offensive linemen every single year. We get these big old mountain, mo- uh, mountain of men and they come in with tough talk, and I don't know which one was it. It was like, oh, if you don't watch a quarterback sack, pick me. It's Twitter, and every fans keep on throwing <laughs> that back up there, saying, "So uh, yeah. you want to take this down? You, you want to take this down? You gonna leave it up?" Because uh, Matt Ryan's been sacked, and he's your quarterback. I, I feel so bad for uh, Matthew. I, I, I like you mentioned, someone who wants to be elite, someone who has so much talent, someone who is a a gem in the quarterback hemisphere and we have him and not for like some or part for the majority of his career. He's had no offensive line for the majority of his career. He's been running. He had a, a brief respite, uh, you know, when, when I was there for three <laughs> or four years and we had a, a solid team because we took it personally. Like that shit matters. Yeah. We, we didn't like yeah. walk to uh, or go to, to watch film on, on Monday morning and see Matt get sacked over and over and over and feel like that was all right. We did everything in our human powers to go out there, scheme, figure it out, spend more time in the weight room. And we personally apologized to him in the game and while watching film. I mean, just imagine yeah. we would have offensive, uh, um, obviously, meeting, uh, meeting time and watching Matt get sacked and it's your fault. There are only a couple times, like maybe two or three times all season where I missed Buck. It was my guy, and it sacked Matt. And I felt so bad. These yeah. guys, they shrug it off. Yeah, that's Dude, no, they <laughs> look. They look almost like afraid. Like they're they're like a like they know they did something wrong. And Matt is laying there face down. This happened a couple of times during the game, and like two offensive linemen are around him, and they're they're not really like going to help Matt up, or they're or they're kind of like, should I say something? Am I going to get yelled? And it's like Matthew's. What are mad we doing here? Again. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? What are like that's your quarterback? Yeah, you screwed up, but like right now you got to play another play. Get him up and let's go. Like, yeah, yeah. It it's it was not it, not great body language. Not it was it was frustrating. I mean, I I think like a, a lot of people were after the game sitting here being talking about well why isn't Josh Andrews getting in? Why why aren't they you know, rotating Drew Dahlman back in again? All these these different things. Like everybody wants uh, a fix, and sure, I I. I don't think the fix is really on this roster again. Um, I think that for as bad as he did look yesterday and has looked kind of recently, Jalen Mayfield has had some good games. He is still a rookie learning a new position. So like, sure. I, I understand why the coaching staff is, is going to throw him in there. Like we, if we don't really have any good options, let's give our, our youngest possible like a shot. Talent. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have a ceiling. You gotta be able to right. grow, to learn. Exactly. By the way, rather get your lumps in, in this year. So that mm-hmm. when next year, when we may actually be good, may actually have a, a solid, not an outside chance to make the playoffs, but a solid chance to make the playoffs. And we're expected to make the playoffs. And we can, you know, call me crazy, beat a good team. Because <laughs> against good teams, we just, you know, wilter away and we crumble and, and we, we, we can't measure up. Like all the teams yeah. we're beating are, are, are terrible teams or crappy teams. <laughs> and I, I don't know any NFL team that's won a Super Bowl only beating bad teams. And that's right. all we can do. And even with that, like we struggle. 
Good teams yeah, blow yeah. us out. Like, blow us out. 20 points, 25 <laughs> points. Like, blow us out. Like, I'm happy we only lost by, you know, uh, uh, a couple touchdowns. But this is a, a good team, not a great team. We're, they're very beatable. Say goodbye to dull gifts. I think I will. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Ah, I see what they did there. You know, diamonds dull, bright. These guys are on it. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And at a light price, too. I mean, $800 per carat. Not a big, uh, you know, carat expert myself, um, but there's that information for you. $800 per carat. So you may be asking, what is a lab-grown diamond? Well, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in a bluish pink or, you know, a, a, just a classic white, maybe just a good, beautiful blue. I'm a classic blue guy myself. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add some sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. I, 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 I actually think that the, I mean, I was really impressed with, with the 49ers. Like, I think I will give the Falcons credit because I do think that they, they did come out kind of wanting to throw punches. I do think they did come out willing to get bloody. And I think that they were really excited to be able to throw that first punch to say like, here we are. Yes, we're coming. Like, now we've oh. got the underdog energy momentum. And, and when it didn't happen, I think it, it kind of staggered them for a second. And then the 49ers yeah. really got right back into it. And from there, you could tell the 49ers were so kind of ready to, to make a statement in this game. And I don't even think it was Big about control. the Falcons. I think it was more about, all right, if there's going to be a dark horse team in the NFC, it's going to be us. Now is our time. We're getting healthy. It's our run. And, yeah. and they just kind of weren't going to be stopped. At least that's the way they played. Because let's talk about you know, why the Falcons are are getting blown out by these good teams. It's because of players like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Fred Warner, Ooh. Trent Williams. The talent yep. discrepancy, or at least the gap between just the the ability to, when you're playing your best game, it's touching rarefied air in this league. The Falcons don't have nearly enough of those guys. Matt Ryan used to be there. I don't know if he's there right now, or he's certainly not behind this offensive line. Brady Jarrett can at times. He's got no help and, and he's not kind of there enough or to, to be like a truly kind of game changing, I think, defensive player. He's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Love Grady Jarrett. I think you guys get my point. AJ Terrell, maybe he can be there. And that is why we're all so excited about him. Calvin yeah. Ridley looked like he could definitely do that. He's not around. Kyle Pitts, two games. Awesome. Great. But it's clear like he's not ready for that either. So you guys get my point the Falcons can kind of do everything they can to stay in these games. At the end of the day, the players are who are the best in the league at what they do, like a George Kittle. Sometimes they're just going to break 30 yard runs after the catch and nobody can do a damn thing about it because he's just that much faster than the guys chasing him. Uh, I mean, what did you think specifically about kind of the Falcons pass defense, their zone coverage uh, and just the way that they couldn't really do anything kind of, it seemed like to close down the middle of the field. Yeah, uh, Fabian Moreau is not going to enjoy watching uh, the game film on Monday. Uh, 
or Tuesday or any day that he's forced to watch the game film. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of the, the, the defensive backs, I mean, they let they made Jimmy Garoppolo look like he was Joe Montana. Uh, uh, I will still say AJ had a good good game. One I mean, one reception yeah. for nine yards. That's all he no, gave he, up. He, he, yeah, he, he had a good game, because, but he's <laughs> but, the yeah. exception easily. Um, as a team, as a defensive um, backfield, again, it, it seemed like all of the 49ers were open all the time. And I don't know if they were trying to get to the ball. And I saw all out pressure and pressure a lot. And maybe because they didn't get home, there are spots. There, there, there were gaps and, and there were windows for the quarterback to throw the ball. But I, I really would love a bunch of A.J. Terrells. I, I, <laughs> I think that maybe Moreau, may, I, I don't know their system. Maybe he's just the unfortunate guy trying to clean up the mess. And someone else is out of position, but he was way I, too I think close. he's just uh, like AJ. Nobody's throwing at AJ. Like he's yeah. just there picking on Fabian. And I, I kind of feel I for so. him. Because he's, he's in a lot of these uh, posters where guys are catching balls yeah. you know, over him, around him, near him. It's not we a good call place that the to Russell be. Gage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good place to be. Uh, but no, um, as far as his defense, we're never going to be able to hold a quarterback um for three four five seconds if our pass rush is not there so these defensive backs even if they were great they would have a tough time with the quarterback able to pick apart wait till your first read second read third by the time your third read comes you should have somebody in your face but these quarterbacks one-on-one one-on-one rushes they can't couldn't even it's not like the 49ers were keeping in extra guys or if they were and they kept the back in guess what he went out on a route because nobody yeah. was coming free. I mean, I like yeah. I was watching. It was, it was they were kind of getting close to Garoppolo with with a four man Russ, but one on one, like end against tackle, defensive tackle against guard. These guys were just getting stood up, and I was like, somebody's got to do something here. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I do think I put I put more of it on. I think the zone defense was was a problem, and I think they they kind of did some of that because. You know, I, I do think they wanted to to limit, honestly, the explosive plays that happened. And I, I don't think they trusted their man coverage to be able to do that. So I, I get why they played zone. But clearly, the 49ers knew exactly how to exploit it. And they were able to exploit it because their run game was extremely consistent. Jeff Wilson, yeah. 21 carries, 110 yards for a touchdown. Debo Samuel, 6 carries, 29 yards, a touchdown. They could have run for way more. They only ran for 162 yards. They could have thrown wow. for way more. They only threw for 235 yards, but they didn't pass as much as they could have because they didn't have to, and they didn't run as much as they could have because they had opportunities that they could exploit in the passing game that they set up with a good running attack. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, that is what offense is supposed to look like in the NFL, and I think Arthur Smith understands that. I think that's what he's trying to bring here, but that's what it looks like when you're operating you know, with 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 the guys that you want, that you utilize, that you really have envisioned, and and with the cohesive team that's played together for a while. But you look at a team like the 49ers, and I, to me, that's the model of offense. I mean, it looked yeah. anything they wanted to do, they were able to get it done. It, it was fun, and uh, I, I'm way too it was kind of fun. Way <laughs> too know, many times watching other teams do to us what I would like to do to them. It was like. Yeah. I appreciated good football. I appreciated hard blocking, great play calling, talented players showing their talent. And I'm like, we could do this. 
This could be us, <laughs> but it's not. Again, and I'd not like yet. it to be us. But um, you have to appreciate, again, I was watching uh, Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, and, and uh, the way they were running the ball. It was pretty. They were getting lanes. Yeah. They were creating separation. They had different level, uh, guys on different levels. Offensive linemen were working up to the uh, to the next block. And I'm like, wow, this is like poetry in motion. You can almost like feel the cohesiveness of the team. They're all on one page of a singular mind. And mm-hmm. we've seen flashes of that with the Falcons. Again, me and you are you know, praising the Falcons the last couple of games of the running game and praising uh, you know, just uh, their offensive production. I would like to do that against a good team. It's easy to yeah. praise them against, you know, when you're playing Panthers or the Jaguars or whoever, whatever bad team <laughs> we're playing. But I just don't know why we can't find that. I, I do know why, but I would like for us to use those same principles that win us games when we're playing bad teams against the good teams. Because we talked about earlier in the season, at a certain point, it's about yourself and how you can, you know, play against yourself or, or try to beat yourself or, you know, work on what you do. Of course, you scout the other team. But if you can play the best football that you can possibly play, you can win a lot of games, a lot of yeah. games. Um, even if you're uh, under, ta- if you're not as talented as the other team, it's about playing your best game. And, and our players didn't even do that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I again, I, I don't, I don't think that the effort was wanting like to the degree that they lost. I do think that they came out here ready to ready to put up a fight, but I, I do think that they maybe it's the mental focus. Maybe it's not just the want to, the energy, the the kind of ready to to fightness. It's the yeah. all right, with that in the heat of the battle, still being able to play within yourself, being able to keep your head, being able to, you know, not make these false start penalties, not let not let them rattle you. It did seem kind of like the offensive line, especially got rattled at some points. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not a term that I, I like, I like to throw around because I have no idea. And also if I was in there, bro, I'd be freaking peeing in my pants. <laughs> like, what are you, ta- or what am I talking about? I'm freaking some, some jerk over here being like, you didn't, you didn't block Nick Bosa the way that I thought you should have. So like oh. you're, I hate you. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that because these guys are awesome at what they do, but we're, we're just trying to, you know, inform and critique based on on what we've done uh, studying this game, covering this game, and, and playing this game. So um, with that, I don't want to give really any time to next week's game. Uh, they they are going to face the the Lions, who are coming off of one of the weirdest victories yeah. kind of we've seen this season, 30-12 over the I'm Arizona happy. Cardinals. They, yeah. they, they, I mean, they, they, they shot their shot, you know, against a, a team that they should have had no business beating. So now... They were coming overconfident, hopefully, with us, or they'll be happy and satisfied, not hungry for a win. So, hopefully, uh, they don't try to duplicate that magic. Because uh, <laughs> hopefully, they don't watch point. Hamilton again. Exactly. You don't want them to have another shot that they uh, I, they're not I throwing want it away. To have zero shots. You know what? <laughs> Do we even have a chance? Are we still mathematically in this playoff race? Yeah, I think it's two percent. Two percent. Oh. We yeah. should have. We're, we're right there. So we're tied. Hype about this damn playoff. <laughs> yeah, we're tied with oh, reduced fat milk for the so uh, for the NFC playoff picture. So excited! What were we thinking? We were thinking, <laughs> okay, if we just do this and do that, and then carry the four, divide the two, we could definitely win. We got so excited when 
we had no reason to be excited. Well, we, you know what? We did because no one expected us to be here. We, we, we moved the goalposts. Beginning of the season, it was like we just have uh, not two, three, four win season like we did yep. previous years. It's a win. And all of a sudden, we're winning, you know, five, six games. Hey, hey, we can, we can go to the playoffs. Now, that was a new goal yeah. when it should have never been our goal. That should have never been our goalpost. We, <laughs> we got lulled into thinking we were more than what we actually were. But uh, I'm sure we'll yeah. talk about more in the recap of the season. But uh, no, it'd be, it'd be nice to finish strong, see who can play. And uh, all this playoff talk, 2%. I mean, it was a pipe dream. It was, it was, it was fun to talk about. That's it. Yeah, it was. But but the point you bring up, I think, is going to be the should be the overarching mindset of of the fan base is, look, at the end of the day, when I, I think in a couple of months from now, when we're looking back on this season, yeah, we're going to say, look, all things considered. Yeah, we'll, we'll take what happened. Uh, there's still work to do. There's still work to be done. But coming yeah. in again, it's not teams were hoping again, just not to be like four and 13. And, and you're not there and you you seem to at least be working in the right direction. So you know, hopefully you feel like this podcast is working in the right direction because uh, <laughs> we always are to uh, to bring you the best, most informative Falcons analysis out there. So please follow wherever you get your podcast. Let everybody know that, hey, they can listen to a, a former NFL player talk about the team he used to play for and a, uh, a reporter who used to cover this team, one of those things actually means something. And <laughs> hey, let them know that. Let them know that that they can uh, hear Ovi and me uh, set them up with questions. So give us a follow on Twitter at Will McFadden at Ovi Mahaley 34. As always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Thanks again for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.